Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. This episode is proudly brought to you by the RISE Directory, a national directory of clinical supervisors who are dedicated to helping the next generation of clinical social workers grow in their clinical skills. The link is in the show notes. Check it out and tell every clinical supervisor you know about this directory. Hello and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine here. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I'm very passionate about. Uh, No, not just social work. I know what you're thinking, but specifically social work within the healthcare industry and the healthcare system. So I just love working in the medical system to see the integration between physical and mental health because to me, it just makes sense. Your physical health declines, that's going to impact your mental health and vice versa. If your mental health is declining, that's going to affect your physical health because you're not probably going to be taking care of yourself. You're not going to be eating right. You're not going to be exercising. You're not going to be socializing. You're not going to be doing the types of things that you need to in order to be physically healthy because you're struggling mentally. So for me, it's kind of a no-brainer, but after listening to some conversations among leaders within the healthcare industry, um, they're baffled by this, and um, and I'm not I'm not sure why. Well, I do know why. It's because they're not trained in it like we are as social workers. So I went to a conference recently with healthcare leaders, and they they really shared some interesting insights, and it opened my eyes to the need of social workers at the table. We have to be in these conversations. We have to have social workers in these leadership roles. So a fun fact for you, we're actually going to talk about a lot of fun facts today, but healthcare spending is actually expected to increase to $6.8 trillion, with a T, trillion dollars by 2030. That is, I can't even fathom that amount of money. And there's a lot going on within, within that. And then they're beginning to see that mental health is impacting our physical health and that this needs to be addressed because they have tried to address physical health in its silo with the traditional healthcare industry. However, it's obviously not working because we are still really struggling. So it's expected to go up to trillion, right? Currently, it's at 225 billion. So that is a huge jump 
from 225 billion currently to 6.8 trillion by 2030 what in the next uh eight years that's that's a lot of money a lot of money so let's just dive into a couple of statistics to give you really an overview and a snapshot of what is going on currently depression in the united states is costing us 211 billion dollars in lost productivity and medical care currently 50 million american adults have experienced a mental illness in 2019 or that's 19.8% of adults that's a lot of people and of these adults well not of those adults but in general four and a half percent of adults report having serious thoughts of suicide and this is important to note because when they say serious thoughts of suicide that means that they have really contemplated this they have thought out a plan they might have a timeline they may have um, started to to say goodbye or started to make plans so these are some serious thoughts this is not just a passing oh you know I, th I think it might be better if i weren't here no let's let's not think about that that is just kind of a passing thought that a lot of people have but almost five percent of adults have serious thoughts of suicide which is really really scary and this has increased every single year since 2011. So it's really just going up. 24.7% um, of adults with a mental illness report an unmet need for treatment. And this number also has not declined since 2011. So we are, even with all of our social media, all of our technology, we are still not meeting the needs of people with mental illness no better than we were 10 years ago which blows my mind it's um, extremely disheartening and disappointing and i know that we can do better let's talk about youth real quick 15 percent of youth experienced a major depressive episode in the past year meaning it was it was short but it was major depression and actually 10% or over 2.5 million youth have severe major depression, meaning it's ongoing. So it could, it's longer lasting. It's not just a single episode. And this rate was actually highest among youth who identified as more than one race at 14 and a half percent. And this leads us into the equity part of the healthcare and the mental health treatment, which we are not doing very well at. And the, the past two years has really shine, sh it's sh what is it? Shown, shined, <laughs> shined a light on this disparity even more, bringing to the awareness of the people in leadership, hey, there is a problem here and white folks are not going to fix it we have tried having white folks in leadership primarily white men since we have started this and 
clearly this is not working. So we need to have more voices, more diverse people in leadership at the table and with social work being 80% women and more blacker and browner than ever, I am confident that the industry of social workers has the answers that we need to address these problems. I also found some interesting statistics because uh, we can't forget our LGBTQ youth, and they are also really struggling as well. So this article reports that approximately one in three high school students experience poor mental health during the COVID-19 pandemic. But the prevalence among poor mental health was highest among the LGBTQ community. Uh, 26.3% of people who identified as gay, lesbian, or bisexual attempted suicide between January and June 2021. Okay, that is huge. I don't know if you if you got that, but I need to repeat this. 26.3% of gay, lesbian, or bisexual students attempted suicide within six months. That is astounding. When comparatively speaking, for heterosexual students, this number was 5%. So, meaning if we have a, a room full of people a room full of heterosexual students with a hundred students in there, five percent would have attempted, or five students would have attempted suicide. However, if we have a room of LGBTQ uh, students, a hundred of them, twenty-six of them would have attempted suicide. And this is serious. Like, if you're not familiar with suicidality, it's different than just contemplating it, right? So we said earlier that 4% four, 4 of adults report having serious thoughts of suicide. That's not attempts, right? So there is a difference. 4% of adults have thought about it. However, 26% of LGBTQ students actually attempted it, attempted to carry it through. This is extremely heartbreaking and we need to do better. So, take a breather here. The healthcare industry and the leaders are starting to take notice. And I was listening to them, and of course, they, they might have their master's in public health. A lot of them are marketers, master's in business administration. So they don't really understand mental health at all, right? At all. Um, some of the key points that I had taken away from this conference that I had attended is that repeatedly these leaders had said that behavioral health for depression is a top priority for healthcare. They need to have depression in remission because it's costing a lot of money, right? That's what they're looking at is the bottom line. You and I, we acknowledge the bottom line is important. But what we're really looking at is the human being, right? So it's a, it's an ethical obligation, ethical responsibility to do what we can for these people to alleviate their suffering. And we know how to do that. 
Social workers are specifically trained in that. We know how to do this. Let's see, we're going on. So mental health is in high demand with health organizations. They don't really know what to do with mental health, right? Um, additionally, virtual health and technology is really growing fast. And there is a high, high need for mental health experts in this virtual and technology space. There's definitely need to be more conversations around health equity. So that is another term that they are using a lot is how do we ensure health equity among the people? So what health equity is essentially saying is how do we address the disparities in poor health among different populations? So um, people of of certain ethnicities, uh, biracial people, people of the LGBTQ community, they will be experiencing different health factors at higher rates than say the white population, right? So that's what they're talking about when they say health equity. And the reason why I believe or scratch that, I know that social workers are the best equipped to address this situation and to really essentially save the healthcare system. I'm gonna talk about right after this ad from our sponsor. Hey, it's Catherine here. I hope you are enjoying this episode. We're going to take a quick break to listen to these ads from our sponsors. If you're planning to take the BBS Law and Ethics exam, the ASWB Master's or Clinical Licensure exam, or if you're studying for the MFT exam, then you need a proven program that can help you understand the exam questions and pass with confidence. If this is you, I highly recommend the Therapist Development Center. I personally use TDC to pass my law and ethics and clinical exams and found the program provided me with everything I needed to pass with confidence. TDC's program integrates various ways of learning in an organized fashion containing all of the information you need to pass without the overwhelm. And now, bonus, TDC is also offering a library of continuing education courses that fulfill your license renewal requirements and will support you in your career development. If this sounds like something that you need, visit their website, therapistdevelopmentcenter.com and use the code SWRISE10 at checkout to receive 10% off any of their CE courses including their brand new course, On the Edge of Life, An Introduction to Suicidality. You can also check out the link in the show notes. So there are many reasons why social workers are perfectly suited and I believe will fix the healthcare system. We will definitely be part of this fix if it ever comes, right? I hope so, but you never know. We need to be part of the conversation. We need to have leadership there at the table because we know people and we know mental health conditions. And that is really what we're talking about today. So there was a study done of 21 million insured people 
And the most expensive 10% of these people accounted for 70% of the healthcare costs, right? So the of the, the 70%, there was about 2.1 million individuals within this, quote, high cost group, right? We're talking about that 70% of healthcare, um, 57% also had a behavioral health condition. So of these people who had behavioral health condition, they accounted for more than half of the total healthcare costs of the entire study population. And what was more shocking to me is that they had all of these really high healthcare costs. They also had a behavioral health condition, but the amount spent on treatment for the behavioral health condition was extremely low. Let's see, half of these individuals, 50% had less than $68 of annual costs for behavioral health treatment, meaning they're probably not really getting behavioral health treatment. $68, I don't even know if that's going to buy you a depression screening at the hospital, right? So there's not a lot of money, or I would say hardly any money being spent on helping people with behavioral health conditions, even though they are the ones who are using a lot of the healthcare. So there is a lot of different reasons of why they're not getting treatment and why healthcare executives are kind of scratching their head, like what do we do with this group of people who have behavioral health conditions and who are costing us so much money, right? They're just scratching their heads, but you and I are perfectly suited to have these conversations and to help them solve these big macro or systemic problems. Because as social workers, we understand the system. We understand the process. We understand why individuals are being undertreated, why they are not seeking treatment, why they aren't going to get it. We understand the stigma. We understand the logistical barriers to actually getting treatment. We know what is going on. We understand the problems. We understand the systematic pressures that these people with behavioral health conditions are experiencing. Additionally, we understand the social determinants of health. So if you are not familiar with the social determinants of health, I encourage you to do some research. I might do a podcast episode on this in the future, but just an overall view. So the social determinants of health are conditions in places where people live, learn, work, and play that affect a wide range of health conditions and outcomes. So for example, uh, what what does your access to healthcare look like? And is that healthcare quality, right? What is your access and quality of your education or the education available to you? What kind of social and community context are you living in? Are you experiencing economic instability? That'll affect your health as well. And also, you know, the neighborhood and the environment that you are living in is also going to affect your health as well. 
So we understand that there are social determinants to health and to good health. Next, we know how to emotionally connect with people. We understand social development. So when we're talking about youth, we understand how to build that rapport with them, how to build trust with them, how to teach this to parents and educators and teachers and other people that are in their lives. And, you know, what is considered normal, quote, normal social development? And when do we need to step in? When is it time to offer that person additional support? In the past, we've just put all the pressure on youth and teenagers and adults who don't know about mental health. We've never been taught this. Maybe if you're lucky, you had a psychology class in high school, but most of us did not. And we've just been kind of left on our own to fend for ourselves and to figure it out, which obviously is not working, right? We need to have these conversation and these education and social workers are perfectly suited because we understand this and we know how to work with people. Additionally, we are also looking for who is being left out. So when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, we can see, you know, who is at the table, whose voices are being heard, and who is not. Who do we need to extend the invitation to, to come to the table? And honestly, I see that social workers are not at the table. We're probably waiting for an invitation to join them in their conversations, but that is not working. They are not going to invite you into the room. Maybe if they are smart and they understand the values that you bring, maybe if they have listened to this podcast episode and their eyes have been opened, but chances are they're not. So we need to be advocating for ourselves and work on our communication on how we can help solve this problem. How are we going to fix healthcare? How are we going to alleviate the mental health challenges or at least help people cope with what is going on so that we can then enhance our health for longevity, right? So be your advocate, speak up, educate people, reach out to other professions. Um, It was really fun going to a healthcare event because there was people from all walks of life, all different industries, technology, business, food, insurance, I mean, everyone was there and it was really interesting to be really one of the only mental health experts in the room and to be able to have these conversations with people who really don't know a whole lot about mental health. So I encourage you to seek out those spaces and to make yourself known. That's how we're really going to reduce the stigma around social work and really show people what we bring to the table, we're not about taking children away from people, right? We're done with that. We're done with that stereotype. We are done with that box. We are no longer in that box. We have so much more to give and so much more to offer that we need to be included in our conversations. We need to insert ourselves into these important conversations that are happening. Next is we know how to treat depression. There are plenty of ways to treat depression and these are not new. 
while there may be some new techniques, some new, new um, ways that are coming up, there are proven and evidence-based ways to treat depression. So this is nothing new. We know how to do this. We know how to reduce the risk of suicide. We know what to do when someone is expressing suicidal ideation. We know the risk factors that contribute to suicide ideation, right? And we know how to reduce those. We already know the answers. We also understand the stigma that is currently in our society and that exists around mental health and seeking mental health treatment. So we also need to be having conversations with marketers and PR people and reporters around reducing the stigma of mental health. Um, I heard recently that there was, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, there was a rapper who recently came out with a song with the uh, suicide hotline in it. And I'm going to have to look it up. But that is just one way that we can collaborate with people who are not specifically in our industry, but have a large audience. And by him doing that, it normalizes that, hey, you might need to call this number. And that's totally cool. Like, it's fine. Do it. Do it because we care about you. And because it's there, it's there as a resource. And that is helping to reduce the stigma I mean, with the rapper, specifically among the youth, right? Uh, finally, we just need to be at the table. We need to create these opportunities for ourselves. We need to be in leadership roles. And this really starts with you. So if this resonates with you, it's time to take it a step further and to start having these conversations with people outside of social work because social workers get it. We understand. We get it already. We are speaking, to, preaching to the choir if we're like, yeah, social workers, you know. <laughs> so I encourage you to go out and seek those spaces. The next steps now is to really, one, understand that you can do it. Two, acknowledge and be aware and honest with yourself of the skills that you bring. We are so humble as an industry. Social workers are often too humble right? It's our downfall sometimes that we are not able to state the facts because we feel like we might be bragging about ourselves when no, it's not bragging if it's a fact, okay? It has taken me a long time to be comfortable with this and to be able to state as a fact that I am good at X, Y, and Z. So when you are good at things, it might come off as bragging, but it is not. It is a fact. So there are, there are ways that you can state facts about your experience, about the people you have worked with, about the stories that illustrate what you have done or how you have helped or how you have helped empowered other people to help themselves and to make changes. So really get in that mindset that you are powerful you are knowledgeable, you have the answers. And if you don't have the answers, you know how to find them. We are excellent problem solvers. So if there are things that come up, and there will be because things are always changing, we know how to research. We know how to work with other people. We know how to bring solutions. What we're not good at 
is communicating our value and communicating what all we contribute. So we need to get good at that. First, determine for yourself if this is something that you want to pursue to have more conversations around. Next, I would encourage you to start networking. So go and meet people. If there's people within your communities, chambers of commerce, within your local hospital systems, these conversations are happening everywhere. You can even go to your local city and say, hey, I'd like to host you know, a mental health workshop at the community center. I'd like to go to the senior center and host a, a workshop. Go to the local high school. You can host a workshop. People are starved for this information that you have and that you, quite honestly, probably take for granted. So definitely start inserting yourself in these conversations. Make yourself known about the value that you can bring. Um, I would recommend definitely getting on LinkedIn. It's a great way to have a free online presence that is very powerful. You can start connecting with other people who are also having these conversations and who are also in these spaces. Um, If there's anything that you want to be doing, seek out people who are already doing it. Ask them questions. Ask how they got started. Ask if they have tips for you. Ask them you know, what, what they do, um, just have conversations with them and you'll probably be surprised at how open and receptive people are because people love talking about themselves. So whatever it is that you want to do, whatever it is that you feel like your next mission is go and seek out people who are already doing that work and model them, model what they were doing. Um, you know, of course, think for yourself, if there are ways that you can improve or make it your own, then definitely do that as well. But it's important that we show up, we understand the value that we bring, and we just keep on rising. I'm so excited for you. And, um, and I'm ex- really excited to see how social workers are going to be changing the healthcare system in the years to come, because it is long overdue. And we definitely need advocacy. We need your skill set. So with that, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you got value on it and you're listening on your iPhone, on iTunes, go ahead and tap the five stars because it really helps the podcast rating and it helps us show up in the search results when the computer sees that uh, people are actually engaging and starring our podcast. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so, so much. And I will talk with you next week. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, please open up your iTunes, tap the five stars and leave a short note on why you love listening to the Social Workers Rise podcast. Also, if you want to share it on social media, I absolutely love it. You'll have me fangirling all over you. Take a screenshot and share it and tag me at Social Workers Rise on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, just want to leave a little bit of legal disclosure here that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Social Workers Rise podcast 
are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk. This podcast should not be used in place of professional advice, therapy, or clinical supervision. And with that, my friends, I'll talk to you next week.